I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Good evening, everybody. Man, he built up expectations way too high. <laughs> um, so, good evening, everybody. Let's uh, go ahead and let's get into some prayer really quick before we get into the message. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we just thank you for tonight, Father God. We pray that today's message would um, pierce our hearts, Father God, that it would, we would take this message out to the world, Father God. And uh, we just pray that you are here with me, Father God, and to help me speak today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, so today I'm going to be talking about self-doubt. Self-doubt in dealing with it and overcoming it because that's kind of my number one thing that I, I deal with. I basically wrote this message for somebody like me who deals with self-doubt. And I think that a lot of Christians, that's like their number one enemy, their number one roadblock from getting to where uh, God has found them and God wants them to be. So as a kid, I struggled with it because of my speaking. I had uh, speaking problems when I was a kid. I uh, mumbled my words, ran them together. My brothers would make fun of me and everything, so... Yeah, exactly. And um, so I had to end up uh, getting speech therapy, going to a class or whatever when I was like in second grade, third grade. And it just hit my confidence with my speaking and everything. So that's how I deal with my self-doubt. My, my big thing is actually getting up here. And that's this is a big step for me. So, you know, it, it's, just, it's just weird because that self-doubt... Um, I'm up here talking about God's word and everything, but at the same time, before this is starting, it's like, you know, this is, this is Pastor Wayne's area. You're not qualified to be here. Um, just, just trying to reason myself out of even coming up here. Maybe even, even before I got here, calling Pastor Wayne, be like, hey, you know what? Uh, work called me. I got, I got to be in. That kind of thing. That's self-doubt. And so let's get into God's word today and find out what he says about lacking in our own abilities, you know, self-doubt. So, we're going to start in uh, uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 13, and it's the 12 spies in the promised land. We'll start in verses 1 and 2. So, it says that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send man to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel, from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So, having said that, it starts off with already saying, the Lord spoke, and it goes into, I am giving to the people of Israel. I am giving to the people of Israel. Yeah, I got it right. So, I am giving to the people of Israel. Already there, we should see that the people of Israel are like, all right, let's take it. You know, it's like Pastor Wayne's saying, he always says he's trying to give away $20 every Sunday. You know, if I, if I pull out 20 bucks, it's, it's up to you guys to receive it, right? If I say here and, and uh, you guys take it, then it's yours, right? So the people of Israel, all they have to do is get off their butts and take it. And then I, I pointed out verse 2, 
from each tribe, they picked a, a chief among them. So these guys, they were there when they came out of Egypt. They were, they were there. They, they saw God as a cloud in the sky for them, as a pillar of fire, fed them, clothed them. All these miracles, right? So you would say they were ready to take on the world. You know, they see these miracles, these awesome miracles that I think that each and every day, like if God puts us on a mission, we're like, hey, God, give us a sign. Give, give me a sign to, to get going, you know, you know, flatten out this car, do something, you know, how, how people say, move, move this rock, whatever. And so, having said that, excuse me, my message is just puts. Okay. So, pointing out the obvious, God is giving, and the obvious is, Israel, all they have to do is take it, right? They got to get in there, and they actually got to take it. So, I'm going to jump down to verse 27. And it says, and they, and they told him, oh, okay. So, before I get into this, um, they went 40 days up to uh, the, the, the land which uh, God was giving to them. They sent out 12 spies, right? Um, come back, you know, they see it's fruitful and everything. And right now they're talking in front of all 12 tribes, all of 12 tribes of Israel. It says, and they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and, it, and, it, and this is its fruit. So, you know, it's a good report. This land is awesome. This is what Israel needs, you know, with all the, you know, all, all the kids, all the babies. You know, you, you want to feed these guys, and this land is just, it's awesome. It's what God promised for them. Sorry. And again, I'm going to just reiterate it. All Israel has to do is go and take it, right? God gave it to them. God promised them. He spoke, and he says, I am giving it to you. So in verse 28, it goes, However, the people in the land are strong, the cities are fortified and very large. Besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So we get into these three points, and they say that the people are strong, The people are strong. The cities are highly secure. The cities are huge. And the descendants of Goliath, these giants are there. So they're already seeing, you know, what's in front of them. They're seeing a problem, a roadblock in front of them, right? But obviously, we've already pointed out, God said, I am giving uh, to Israel, right? He spoke and he said he's giving. Um, excuse me. My messages keep going up and down right here. So we see that they're strong. They're highly secure, these cities. Um, big numbers, huge, huge cities. And they're giants. So, you know, if we were to look at that, and Israel's looking to go into these cities, you know, they're looking... And those, those 12 spies are basically saying, you know, these guys are going to be tough. It's going to be a, a tough road ahead against us. 
So they're already um, putting this fear into those 12 tribes. They're already saying these guys are strong, they're, they're huge, highly secure, and they're giants. But we go down to verse 30, and it says that uh, Caleb, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Amen. Um, we see Caleb. Caleb's an awesome guy. This is a, he's the same guy as the other 11, as the other 10, because, you know, Josh, Joshua's in there too. Oh, and there's Hedom. Um, and, the, and, and we see the 12, uh, uh, they brought back this report, right? But Caleb's right there standing, and he never denies that there's uh, strong people, there are giants, there's high numbers, these cities are secured. He just says, let's go up and take it. He remembers what God did for them. Unlike the other 10 who are putting this fear in the rest of the congregation, he remembers God. He knows who his God is. Everybody else forgets that you know, God led them out of Egypt. God did, did these miracles for them. Caleb remembers that. We've got to be bold like Caleb, when it comes to the things that God wants us to do in our lives. So he says, let's go and take it. Caleb is ready to take this land. And any roadblocks in the way, he trusts in God. But then it goes on for them to the other ten are saying, And there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from Nephilim, which is their descendants of uh, Goliath. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. So first thing I want to say is, like, I hate grasshoppers. I, I do. I just, I hate them. During the monsoon season, like, I, I drive trucks, and you guys know I, I, I have sweeping trucks, so... There's times during the monsoon season, and it's, it's nice and moist, and these grasshoppers, they get probably as big as this water bottle, even bigger. And I freak out. Like, no, I don't freak out. I hate these things. If I, if I get a chance to kill one of them, I'm going to kill it because I hate when they jump on me. Because I'll be sweeping in the cities, and these things are jumping in my truck. They, they jump in there. So I'm, like, freaking out trying to kill it, and it's all dark in there. You just hear, like, boom, 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 because these things are huge. I hate grasshoppers. Anyways. So they seem like grasshoppers, little, you know, whatever, grasshoppers. And, you know, if we go um, playing sports growing up, um, you never want to go into a game thinking that you're going to lose already. You never want to go into, you know, a boxing match thinking that you're going to lose already. But these guys are already saying to themselves, we're grasshoppers. We're going to get squashed by these giants. They're forgetting who their God is. They're forgetting who God, uh, what God led them through, what, what God did in their lives, who he is. I mean, if anybody shouldn't forget who God is, it should be these people. Like I said, he was a cloud by the day and a pillar of fire by night. He fed them. He clothed them. I mean, come on, guys. Really? How many of us here, show of hands, have seen God work, heal, uh, 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 just move in our lives. See? Amen. 
And, and, and these guys are really just forgetting it. And they physically saw this. They physically uh, saw these miracles. And, and how many of us have seen God part the sea? Huh? How many have seen a uh, 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 God feed us from the heavens? You know, they, they physically saw these things, but they forgot because they see giants. They see these highly secure cities. They see these things in front of them, in front of their promise. You know, God promised them that land. And they're, 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 they're seeing their land, but everything else in front of it. <coughs> and they're forgetting who their God is. So, having said that, you know, the odds in their eyes, in their worldly eyes, are against them, right? <clears throat> and uh, the numbers aren't adding up. You know, so it's like, you know, the, those 10 are putting that fear, that fear into the rest of the congregation. And, um, and then and it's, it's, it's working. It's working. So the numbers, the odds are stacked against Israel. Even though God is with them, they're forgetting that. So, you know, having said that, I'm going to jump to another story in the book of the Bible with Gideon, where let's see how his odds favor him, too. So we're going to go to Judges uh, chapter 6, and um, I'm going to kind of speed through, these, through this one, because I know it's a lot. Um, so, again, Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gave them into the hand of Midian. Midian overpowered them. Um, they would come and just plunder, uh, you know, their villages and their strongholds. And, and, and just, um, it says in the book, it says, like locusts in numbers. And they would just come and take everything. They would, they would just overpower Israel, right? So having said that, we start in verses 11 and 12 of Judges chapter 6. I'm sorry. I'm trying to pull this up over here and it just doesn't want to. My thumbs are too dry or something. All right, so let's start off in uh, verses 11 and 12, I said. It says, Now the angel of the Lord, and if you guys are reading the text, as I found out, um, if, if the angel of the Lord is capitalized like that, it's basically saying God. God was there. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the, the terabith at Ophrah, at Oprah, no, uh, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. So we're seeing this guy, and I don't know why, but every time I think of this, because um, I, I did research on what a wine press looked like back then, and it was basically a, a, almost a hole in the ground and with another hole in it, almost like, okay, so like a tub, maybe like a jacuzzi in the ground with another hole in it so that when they would press or step on these grapes, it will fall all go into this vat, and that was their wine. 
So I'm thinking of this, and it's like every time I think of this guy, he's cowering in fear, threshing out the wheat in there, probably looking around, you know, just looking around in fear doing this. And every time I think of him, I don't know why, but I think of Mr. Smeagol from Lord of the Rings, just cowering, you know, down there and everything. So we have him doing that, and, and God's watching him. God's watching him, and he's down there, and he's threshing out the wheat, getting all the chaff off of it or, you know, whatnot. I, I looked up that. I, it, was, it was interesting. I, I ran into a bunch of YouTube videos, and, and, you know, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you watch one, and you, like, watch several, and, like, you learn how to get the oats out of wheat. I don't know. It's just weird. It's just funny. So I know how to do that now. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and God's seeing this poor man down there. You know, he's looking at him. Like, you guys ever seen somebody just struggle or somebody be in fear of something and they're, they're just watching, like, it's almost pathetic. And this is what God is looking at. He's seeing this guy in fear, threshing out the wheat. And he comes up to him and he says, Oh, mighty man of valor. And I got a bunch of other um, interpretations of it too. Mighty warrior, mighty hero, valiant warrior, courageous warrior, brave man. This, this guy down in a hole, and God comes up to him, and he says all this, right? God saw Gideon, not for the man he was right there, but who he was about to be sent out to do. God saw past that, right? And, I, I, and every time I remember, this is one of the first stories I remember hearing at Pastor Wayne, uh, Pastor Wayne's house, and this was like, man, this is me. I'll tell you that right now. It's, it, you know, this is encouraging because you see this guy who's, like I said, pathetic guy <laughs> in a hole, and he's down there cowering in fear of the Midianites. And God just goes up to him, and he tells him, mighty man of valor, you know, mighty warrior. And, um, you know, I can appreciate this because I need this kind of encouragement and kind of, kind of patience, um, kind of understanding Especially, you know, in, this, in, in my state right now, in, in uh, my state, you know, last week or, or a couple years ago or, or, or in the future, I need this kind of encouragement from God, that, that kind of love, that kind of uh, understanding, because there's some times where we just, we're, we're down in our life and, and God's there, our, our, our church is here, you guys are here, and um, so we go on to verses uh, 13 through 16. <laughs> so this is almost, you know, a conversation Gideon has. And see if you guys pick up the pattern. It says, And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not, do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, 
and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. You know, um, I don't know if you guys see the pattern, but it's Gideon, every time he speaks, every time he opens his mouth, he's like making excuses, trying to say how he's not qualified, giving reasons why he shouldn't be the one that the God is trying to pick for this journey. And what does God do? Uh, he's just patient with him. He's patient. And, and like I said, he, he sees him for what he's about to do. He doesn't see him in the, that moment of weakness where he's cowering in fear from the, from the Midianites and just down there in a hole, um, you know, looking up, down, looking up, down. And just down there, uh, looking all pathetic. Um, so you see, um, God encourage him. Gideon tries to talk himself out of a blessing that that God is just trying to bestow upon him. And then God again reassures him, and Gideon says, "You know, I'm the weakest of the weakest of the weakest house, and I'm of those siblings, I'm the lowest too." You know. And finally, God's like, I, I got your back. Let's go do this, basically. And he, he just wants uh, to keep on going. So, wait a second. Man, you do get dry up here. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, having passed that, like I said, it's a lot of text, so I'm going to kind of speed through this. Um, Gideon wants uh, a sign, so he goes and he prepares a go and offers it up. God, you know, he consumes it up in a, in a flame. Gideon was, he was in awe, like in fear. He realized that he, he was speaking to God. And back then, you, you, you know, you didn't go see God unless, uh, uh, was it, you're a priest or whatever, and you had to be sin-free, whatever. Um, so that same night, uh, he gives him a mission to cut down the bell or pull down the bell and cut down the Asherah. So we go to verse 27. And like I said, I'm speeding up through this so I can fit both these stories in here. And I know I'm probably hitting, missing a lot of points, but I'm trying to make the point that, I, that I'm working on. So Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family, and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. I, I you know, I, I read this and I'm like, that's almost like a strategically smart thing to do. I thought, I, I, for me, he went at night, he didn't have any trouble because nobody's awake, and he did this. But then I think about it, like if God was talking to you, he was physically in front of you, uh, uh, he, you offered up this. You saw it go uh, consumed in a in a flame. Like, I mean, wouldn't that be encouraging enough? You saw God, and he and then he sends you verbally sends you on a mission. Wouldn't you go the next day and just be encouraged, just be pumped up and ready to 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 do what God said? And then on top of that, he saw you in that pathetic state, doing threshing out the wheat in a hole. He saw you doing that. And he gave you this mission. Wouldn't you be encouraged to go in the daytime? Wouldn't you be like licking your chops ready to do this? You know, 
but not Gideon. And that's why, that's why I love this story because Gideon is such like a, it's just he comes off as a, like a weasel or a worm at first, you know what I mean? And, and uh, um, you uh, uh, relate to him the best. I, for me, I do. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I do. So um, uh, you just see Gideon. And he's he's doing it in in fear, but nonetheless he's actually getting it done because he's actually he has you can tell he has fear for the village or the people who might kill him seeing him do this, but he has even more fear for God because he's he he's wanting to do this for him. So um, I don't know. It, it just it just reminds me of some sometimes the way I do things where I'm not as bold as you know like in the other story Caleb he's ready to take things he's ready he's a man of action he's ready to go but Gideon he does it. In the background, he does it, but it gets done. It still gets done. So the next morning, the village uh, uh, wakes up. You see, they see this. They uh, start asking questions, whatever. Gideon. Uh, they find out it's Gideon, and they want to kill him. But his father sticks up for him and says, "Let ba- let Baal kill Gideon himself. Basically, if he is a god, you know, let him do this. Let him kill him." And then after this, um, Gideon gets a new name. He gets renamed Jerubal, which means let Baal contend against him. So he went from Gideon to Jerubal. But, you know, as this goes on, I just, I still see Gideon. So, um, so he, he, uh, he did what God told him to do. He got the task done. Like I said, he did it almost like, you know, in baby steps or, in the background, or not to be seen, but he got things done. So, moving on to verses uh, 33 through 35. It says, Now all the Midianites and the Malachites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abysrite were called out to follow him. And he sent, the, sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. In these verses, Gideon's the man. Gideon's the dude, man. He, everybody is coming to Gideon to find out what their job is. You know, it's like, hey, what you want me to do now, boss? He's, 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 he's leading them. He's telling them, he, these messengers, go to here. You go do this, you know. And um, the way I see it, in my eyes, it's kind of funny. You know, I guess I don't know, I have too much into pop culture, but I see him start off as Gideon. Like I said, he's Mr. Smeagol. But down here I wrote, he's like, uh, anybody know Star Wars themes? He's like C-3PO. The, the guy that's always in fear to go anywhere to do anything and just living in doubt, right? To being Han Solo, to, I put, Han Solo. The guy, he's leading the charge. You know, people want to fight for him. People want to be him. And um, this is just a result of a man being faithful. Um, you know, being faithful in little and, and giving even more. Amen? Yeah, um, so... We go on to chapter 7. Oh, excuse me. 
I skipped the whole area. Yep, I did. So, um, again, so we're seeing he's the man. He's the, he's the dude. You know, the, everybody wants to know, what do I got to do? Go talk to Gideon. Gideon will get you set out. You know, he'll get you lined up. Okay, so then, then Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he arose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew. dew um, he wrung enough water from the fleece to fill a bowl of water, bowl with water, excuse me. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only and on all the ground there was dew. And, um, He's testing God again. It's, it's just crazy. He got one miracle done, and then he wanted another one done. You know, it's just God is so patient, understanding in this story. And that's why I love this story so much. He's, he's understanding. He's loving. You know, he's encouraging. And Gideon, Jerubal, you know, the man, he, he got one miracle. You would think, like, all right, God's listening to me. God, God's hand is over us. But wait, let me, let me make sure. Just, let me just make sure one more time. You know, and God just being patient and steadfast and love and just awesome. Just awesome, you know. And sometimes we need that in our lives where, where we get so, I guess, get so busy and caught up and, and, and we forget about things, but God is always there. And, and you know, like in my life, with the four kids, and I'm working nights right now. Um, I just, I just get so slammed sometimes. But you know, like uh, you go and you spend your time with God, and it's just like it's renewed like that. God was waiting for me. God wanted to hear from me, and God wanted to refresh me. And just right here, God is just, is like, okay, so He sees who Gideon's gonna be, who who. He, Mighty man of valor, yet he's this mighty man of valor still questioning him, still doubting. And then, um, let's go on to chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. So it says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Okay, so they started off, obviously, simple math says, 32,000 he started off with, right? And that's a pretty good number. You know, you want to go into a, uh, a war, you want to have higher numbers than the other. 
uh, equals man strength equals manpower equals um, higher chance of winning. No, God says, you know, he doesn't care about our mat. He doesn't care about our odds. It's God. If we have God with us, who can stand against us? Um, So we go into verse 7. And the Lord said to Gideon with the 300... Oh, okay. So he, he puts uh, them to another test, saying that there is still too many. 10,000 is still too many. And he puts them to a test where they go down to the lake, and whoever, I guess, basically gets on all fours and drinks out of the water, um, they're going to be sent home. And the ones who lap their hand, cup their hand of water, and then put it into their mouth, that's who he's taking, right? So... The number he ends up with is 300 men do this, where they're cupping that water with their hand, and they're going. 9,700 of them actually got down in all fours. I just, I don't know, it's just weird. Like, you get, get some water, and you jump down to all fours like a dog, and you're drinking water. I don't know. I just find it funny. Um, so... The, 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 the amazing thing about that part, that whole thing, you know, Gideon, before it started, when he was threshing the wheat, he, he argued with him, telling him why he couldn't do this, why he couldn't do that. Then just a little while ago, you know, the whole fleece test, if this fleece is wet, blah, 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 if the fleece is dry, blah, blah. He's arguing, he's testing him, he's not sure, he's doubting. But in this one, it's just weird. He, these high numbers, he started with 32,000. Then went down to 10,000, and now he's down to 300. But Gideon has earned that trust. You know, he's remembering what God has done for him. He's not forgetting who God is in this. And um, just like I said earlier, how many of you guys have witnessed God's miracles, God's hand at work? And, and, and we know that in our walks, we just get... Um, strengthen and strengthen and going glory by glory um, with God. And, and we're just more confident that God has our back. I know I am standing up here um, doing this right now. I know that God, this is what God wants. And um, I guess I'm done arguing with God like Gideon. <laughs> so God, uh, Gideon is just saying yes now. You know, he's going with it. He's, he's remembering who his God is. So, um, skipping down, we're going to go down to verse 22, but what happens before that um, is Gideon, again, God, like, I know you're afraid. Uh, go down to the camps or whatever and listen to the men. So he finds out that uh, one of the soldiers had a dream, and it's basically God gave uh, the Midianites into Gideon's hand. So, going down to verses 20 through 22, it goes, And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches, 
and in their right hands uh, the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord sent, set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Beth Shittah toward Zerah, as far as border of Abel, Mahala, by Tabath. And just Wouldn't it have been easier if God just said, hey, this is going to happen, Gideon. This, you're, you're, all you're going to do is you're going to go up to them and you're going to yell. You ain't going to really fight. You're going to yell. They're going to kill themselves and then you're just going to chase them and just kill them one by one, whatever. Wouldn't it have been easier for God to have done that? But God wants us to be strengthened. He wants us to be um, you know, pressed and, and grow and, and to trust in him through all our doubts and all our fears and, and uh, uh, every roadblock that stands in front of us. God wants us to, be, to push through it. And that, that's, what, that's, what, um, that's where growth comes. You know, every time you get knocked down, every time you have to go through something, uh, something else that's, that's not in your comfort zone. Um, you know, I've heard it's, it's, you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, amen. I'm I'm doing that right now. So we we gotta we gotta we gotta grow in that just like like Gideon did, and and, and it, you know all this story led up to and you're thinking of like it's gonna be this this great battle like that movie 300 and but no they they they, they ran and, and you know people around this time couldn't say like man their voices are just like piercing to the point where these people were, ears were bleeding, and that's why they won. You know, they're just these sirens. No, this is God's hand, you know. This is, this is God doing this. So me standing up here, this is God doing this, guys, right? So, <clears throat> and, um, and it's, it, this story is just so encouraging because if God can use a guy like Gideon, he sure could use a guy like me. And each and every one of us who, I'm not saying any of you guys are like Gideon, but all of us, I mean, Gideon was in the lowest of the lowest points, right? And some of us are better off than that, but still, if he can use that man, he can use all of us. All right, so let's jump back into Numbers, right? Okay, yeah, Numbers, and we're going to start in in, uh, chapter 14. We left off with them saying that they were grasshoppers, right? So 14, 1 and 2, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, With that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Oh, excuse me. I guess I meant to go further. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey 
would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Just whiny babies, whiny babies. It's, it's funny, you know, they got these 10 people in front of them, in front of the, you know, the whole congregation, the 12 tribes standing right there in front of them, right? And you got all these people starting to whine because of this bad report, this, this contagious fear, this contagious doubt. It just swept through all of the 12 tribes. And, um, you know, I reference this too. Sometimes I'll, I'll cook a good meal for dinner, and I'll, and I'll get down in the kitchen, you know. I use the cheese and the bacon because, you know, everybody loves cheese and bacon. But um, especially my kids. Anyways, so there, there's times where I'm like, yes, they're going to love this stuff. Everybody's going to love this, right? And um, I have four little ones. But I remember when I had three, these two here, um, my, our niece would come over, and she was, a, she was a teenager, 16 or 14 or whatever. And if she didn't like something, if, I, if she tasted um, something and it was really bad, all you had to do was see her face, like, she, you know, get a nasty face of food or whatever. All you had to see was look at her, and then you look at my kids and all of the faces are, are just already like, ugh. You know, I'm not even going to try it. And, you know, and you're like, here, just try it. Just try it. Just taste some. And, and they touch it on the tip of their tongue, and they gag already. They're already, eh, eh. And, and that, that's how I feel right here. It's just one person, or excuse me, 10 people of the hundreds of thousands set that doubt and fear in all of them. You know, and it changed, changed their heart. And they forgot who their God was. They forgot that he led them, that he's protected them, that all these miracles that he's, he's shown them. So, skipping down to verses 20 to 23. We're going to wrap this up over here. And, um, okay. It says, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my sign, who have seen my glory and my signs, let's not forget that, signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers, and none of those who despise me shall see it. And let me read on, because I said 23. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, a, a different, you know, a great spirit, has followed me, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. And, and again, just like in the story of Gideon, you know, wouldn't it have been easier if the Israelites had the book of Joshua in front of them? All you had to do was obey, just be obedient to God and just follow him and lead and, and just take it. That's all they had to do was take it. But no, these, these guys grumbled, whined, and fell victim to their own doubts. You know, so... We see that um, in both these stories, I want to point out one thing, is that the doubt came 
from our own heads. An devil entered them. The devil, the devil swayed them or a snake came up and, 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 and talked to them. No, it came from us, our own heads, our own voice in our heads. So we got to remember that, like I said, sometimes our biggest enemy is us. And uh, right now we're not giving no credit to the devil because that's taken care of already. We got to remember that when um, God gives us a promise and the roadblocks are in front of us, just grind it out. Grind it out. Keep on going. You know, um, so yes, self-doubt is almost, almost inevitable for me in my life. But sometimes it's a, a, a time to reflect, too. You start self-doubting. Time to reflect on what God has done in my life and what God has brought me through and what God has shown me. You know, there's, I have some stories, but I'm not going to share them right now. Just God has done some miracles, you know. So, church, as we end this tonight, I just want to um, challenge you guys. Uh, uh, the areas where God wants each and every one of us to never forget who God is when self-doubt comes creeping in our lives and just to keep pushing forward.